Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the library. My name is Troy Swanson. I'm the library department chair. Welcome to our event today. It's good to see all of you. Um, this is event number two of our graphic novel symposium. So I want to say uh, thank you for coming. I want to give a quick shout out to Espresso Love, our coffee bar. They give us some support um, to help our shops be here and sell things. So please go out and take a look. Also, I want to thank the bookstore in the back who has um, Gabby Garcia's ultimate playbook for sale in the back. You can get it and get it signed, right? So sure. please, uh, please do that. So today's event is a special treat for us. This might be a first for our library where we are spanning um, the Atlantic Ocean to bring a speaker to you. So I'm happy to introduce um, Iva Marie Palmer, who's the writer, and her partner, uh, Marta uh, uh, Kesey, right? Did I, did I screw that up? Kesey. This is good. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, who is in uh, the UK, correct? So um, they're going to talk about their, uh, they're going to talk about their collaboration and um, the, the, where this book came from. Um, it's a super unique opportunity. So I want to thank you both for being here and thank you all for coming. I'll turn it over to Iva. Thank you. So you're on. Oh, do I take the mic? Oh. You're, no, you've got no I don't. I, I'm you're mic'd. On. Oh, you're on, you're on. I don't have anything to hold then, but okay. <laughs> I was excited about having to, the mic to hold. But um, so Marta, Marta is actually too. She's, she's, you're getting married next week, right? So yes, that's she, right. We're, we're like, we're like really, this is like a, she's a hero for doing this. Um, <laughs> so anyway, no. we had, we had a. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. We had a presentation um, that was going to be up, but because of the Skype, it's hard to run both at the same time. So I printed some of the pages um, to circulate so you guys can see sort of how we work together. Because the interesting thing you might not know is um, Marta and I, this is only the second time we've actually talked. Um, the first time, yes, and you can pass around the books too, which I flagged. I flagged the books as well with some of Marta's, um, some of her fine work, so you can kind of see how her illustrations flow into the 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 books um but yes this is so this is i think this is the graphic novel symposium and i know that you know some of what you guys have if you've been to the other events or whatnot um comic book people usually they'll be in close collaboration the 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 drawer and the pencil artist and and whatnot um all through the process and for Marta and I, it's a completely different thing. Um, we just met for the first time a few weeks ago when we were talking about should we, what should we talk about at our presentation. Um, and, but before that, everything was done kind of via what you're seeing on those pages. Um, you know, I would write the, the draft of the book, and once the book draft was approved by the editors, you know, plug in what, where illustrations could go, and then kind of Marta takes off. So, I mean, Marta, is that is that your experience too um, with these these books, the the middle grade? That's true. Yeah, it's, it's actually a very strange process in a way because when you think about um, how important it would be for both illustrators and authors to meet, and how logical that seems, it's actually not that common, at least not in my experience. Um, this is one of the very rare situations when I actually got a chance to even digitally meet uh, you, Eva Marie, which is amazing. But normally it just goes through um, the design team uh, at the publishing house. So uh, I very rarely have a chance to speak directly to the author, which is a big shame because I think uh, it would really enrich the understanding of the story and the characters and everything. But um, luckily, most of the time, and especially in the case of Gabi Garcia, you know, the book spoke for itself and each of them is unique and wonderful. So. Uh, it was actually a really easy process for me, but um, but yeah, we never met, and never no. even exchanged proper emails. No. <laughs> so this is crazy. No, we're, we're planning to meet someday in real life. Um, but to go back just a little, I think, to talking about like the middle grade novel, probably until about, like I'd say, the early 2000s, most middle grade novels were more just like a regular novel, like you know, text and not a lot of illustration, maybe here or there, a few, a few pictures. And then things like um, the Wimpy Kid books and Dork Diaries kind of opened up this format where you know there are more illustrations throughout. Um, and those books are done purely by the author who also illustrates them. You know, they're, they're in complete control. Um, but from my perspective, I knew I was writing a book like this, but I didn't really know the process at all. I did think, I think at the beginning, that, that you know, there'd be, I'd have to call someone and, and talk to them. Um, so from my perspective, like what I had to think about as I was writing is just um, what I would want to see as a kid. Like I didn't want, 
I think in picture books and, and even like some of the younger kid chapter books, your illustrators are, are giving, like they're, they're kind of just doing what is on the page or the, 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 the picture helps tell the reader what's in the story. Um, for this, because I knew the audience was older, like 9 to 12, I wanted it to be you know, interesting and unique, and it's also a diary format. So you're able to almost do, like when you hear about you know, movies, like films versus animation, in animation you can do anything because there's no budget for what you can draw. Like if you want to do something wild on animation or, or in a drawing, I can plug in like some weird thoughts that Gabby has in her head that don't reflect reality at all. But um, mm. I think for kids, it, and especially that age group, it, it's sort of, um, I want to add to the narrative. I don't want to just reiterate or, or drag on the narrative. Um, from your perspective, Marta, like what, you know, what is the, is this the age group you usually do? Or, um, and what do you think about like when you get a manuscript? Um, how do you get the feel for that manuscript? Well, um, usually when I start on a project, whether it's just trying out for a project and just be one of the winners, let's say, or whether the, you know, the author or uh, publisher come directly to me, uh, they usually give you um, some sort of synopsis or some sort of tone, um, basically a brief, and then you kind of get an idea of what you're kind of getting yourself into, which is a good way of navigating whether you even want to be involved in this project. But um, sometimes it's not enough, because obviously you may get an an idea of what this is going to be like, but nothing is more important than just basically reading the text itself. Um, so I know some illustrators just go by by just not reading the text, but I always stand by reading the text first before you come near illustrating it. So um, usually within the first chapter or two, you know really what you're doing, and um, you, you sort of always hope that you know what you were promised in a brief is going to be the reality of a project and luckily again with Gabi Garcia that was the case in this you know you're hoping for maybe humor or, or sort of uh, silly sort of scenes and moments and that definitely delivers but um but you know sometimes it happens that actually uh, the book isn't maybe standing up to your expectations and you know and I know I'm not always the sort of direct sort of target audience but you think okay well in this case it's really my job to kind of still do the best job I can and kind of enrich the text as much as I possibly can. So, um, but you always try to sort of yeah, understand what's the tone, what's the feel, what's the audience, uh, what's the age of the audience, because sometimes, you know, the tween age, which is the 9 to 11, or maybe even 7 to, actually 9, 12, or 11, 12, sometimes there's younger ones as well, and you need to kind of remember, you know, what goes, what doesn't. So, um, um, but yeah. Uh, I don't know if that answers your question, but um, no, I hope definitely. it does. I mean, I think, I think too, maybe we should go back. I, I guess I'm, I'm like taking this from, we've done two books together, and these start pretty early. I mean, I started on the first Gabby with the publisher in 2014. We're in 2018. Mm. I think you, you're just, are you finishing the illustrations for book three now? Or mm -hmm. it's yeah, a very, yeah, we're kind like, of midway long now. Yeah, process. Yeah. But um, you, you were on, not quite from the beginning, but I remember like when the idea was batted around with Harper, you know, you were you were one of the people that they showed me, and I, I, you were fortunately my favorite one. And I was like really glad when they they said this is who we're going with. Um, but how um, you know, I guess how does it come about for you? Like you you do some sketches and then and then you you're in a try. Is that typical? You're in a tryout period. Um, I think uh, it depends on the project again. But uh, usually, I'm fortunate enough to be asked directly by a publisher. You know, they say, oh hi Martin. You know. Here's the project. Here's the here's the author. You know they would like you to work for you uh, for them. You know, would you want to work with them? Uh, but sometimes there are um, I have some maybe bigger projects that kind of people really want to make sure that they picking maybe the most suitable people for the job. And I think that was one of them. I mean, I did try out for a few other ones as well in the past, but with various outcomes. Sometimes I did get it. Sometimes I didn't. But with that one. Uh, when my agent told me about, uh, look, there is this thing that, you know, we'd like you to try out for. And it's about this, you know, strong uh, girl who's not the sort of usual cookie-cutting kind of character. You know, she is, you know, I, I actually think the whole story is quite unisex, which really speaks to me because I don't like this kind of sort of typically boyish and typically girly stories. And that one, I think, uh, was quite unique to me, so I was definitely really excited to uh, try and hope, you know, for the best. And luckily, I think the kind of the sketchy kind of doodly style, um, the kind of notebook kind of look, I think, uh, really spoke to you guys. So that's wonderful. So I was really rich after when you guys wanted me to be on it. But yeah, certainly the tone, tone really spoke to me because it's, 
it is, I think, a bit different, especially for that age group. So I, I liked it a lot. Um, so I think, and let me see, I'm checking my notes here because it would have been up on the screen, <laughs> and I just want to make sure I'm not, I'm not missing, missing out on this. Um, but, but um, yeah, so I think, you know, what you have there, I, I think we did some page-by-page things if you if you're if you're still sending those around and I wish they were up on the screen so you could see just how you're crafting a character or whatnot um, and, and how you kind of like you know translated her from you know page to drawing um, I think I'm trying to get it I'm trying to remember my question um, <laughs> but, okay. but you know I, I think um, where was I going? But you also do, so picture books are also like this. Um, picture books are, you know, I think people have the, the illusion again that either the, illust the, picture, the writer is doing all the illustrations, which is the case sometimes, or, um, but I think you've done a few picture books and you get like a script almost and you, you do it. I do think there's a benefit to now that, that I've met Marta. Um, you know, I know a little bit more about what she likes. So I, I, I think almost I would, if I did another book like this, I would tell um, you know, a, the publisher I would like to, you know, meet the, the artist or, you know, or just work with Marta, really. But, <laughs> but, um, but definitely recommend meeting, even if it's digital or over yeah. coffee or in a publisher's place or whatever. It's just, it makes such a big difference because you get your vibe, you get kind of what sort of personalities you are. And emails, especially with writers, are usually wonderful because these people are, you know, good at writing. But I'm dyslexic and I'm always struggling. And this is my second language as well. So I'm always like, I don't know if I'm kind of translating who I am mm -hmm. in all those emails. So meeting and actually being able to talk, highly recommend it to anybody. So if you guys are ever considering working in either field, always push for a meeting. <laughs> that's my <laughs> sweet advice. Yeah, I think that's that's a lesson I learned now too. Um, I think what, what I, I was, I was a actually about to ask you is, I mean, I haven't had this issue, but but if I had had, or have you ever had to, to have, you know, feedback from someone who said, okay, this is not what I was thinking, or where you have to go back and, and um, you know, an author says that, that, not that your work isn't right, but, but the translation of it, or, or maybe where you have to say, I need more detail if I'm going to do this well. Um, absolutely, absolutely, there's, to be fair, usually that's the case i mean it's nice when you kind of get on the right kind of when you hit the right note in general and kind of you seem to be more or less on the same page with the kind of you know style and tone again but um quite often it's, it can be a bit challenging to get especially the main characters to sort of make sure that they are you know how the author you know envisioned them because it's uh it also depends on the personality of the author because some people are a lot more maybe easygoing and kind of you know, collaborative in that sense. So they kind of, even though they may have a certain vision in their heads, uh, you know, they may kind of be able to allow the, the artist to sort of um, put their own stamp on it. But sometimes you get authors who are very decisive and quite um, opinionated, let's say. Uh, and then, you know, you just need to work with it. So, you know, you go through stages and stages of changes. And, you know, if, well, I think sometimes it comes down to communication because, you know, sometimes certain things maybe get lost in translation, so you have to just keep going back to the drawing board. But usually you get closer and closer every time, so it's uh, as long as you don't lose your steam, uh, yeah. eventually yeah. you get there. But, um, yeah, it really depends on the, on, the, on the expectations ultimately. But I think it's wonderful when there is the kind of allowance for both teams, let's call, you know, the, 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 the artist, the, the writer, and obviously the design team kind of, you know, bring the best you both can to the table, but, you know, it all depends sometimes. It's not that smooth and easy, but um, reworking and changes is sort of every day for me. Yeah, I mean, and it's part of the, the writing process, too. I mean, I think for me, um, one thing was, I like, I get a question a lot. I, I just went to a conference where someone said, oh, your book is illustrated, so how, and he started telling me about this series he has an idea for, and he said, you know, I have a very specific way I want the characters to look, and, you know, how, mm. you know, so what do I do, how do, and I said, well, either you learn how to draw really well, and, and you do it yourself, or, you know, you, maybe you self-publish and you hire someone, but, but really mm. the process in the business is that you let that go, and then you have to trust that the talent on the other end is going, Ideally, you know, yeah. going to Definitely. be what you want. I think with Marta, I mean, once I saw the first sketches um, and then, you know, um, and they were coming back, I, I thought, okay, I'm not going to have any
problem with this person, you know, <laughs> at all. Like I loved, I loved the way they looked and they were cute. And there are some in there um, throughout the, the pages that were passing out um, where they were better than I could have even imagined. Like when I'm writing them, I'm giggling to myself. Um, I think from my perspective for like the nine to 12 year old, like, you know, I spoke to some fifth graders yesterday and like they, they come out and they're like kind of too cool at first and then toward the end of the speech, they're like asking questions. And I think you have to remember that the nine to 12 year olds that they're still kids, um, you know, but they're thinking about different things. Um, so, you know, you're putting in, they like little details. I think there's one in the second book where she goes to her friend's room and it's got all these cool things and, mm -hmm. um, you know, she's all these little details and I, you know, you're remembering what you were looking for as a kid or, or like you like to look at these really specific details. I had another um, kid come to me yesterday and she said my favorite part in book two is the gravestone where it says, here lies the friendship of Gabby and Diego killed by a high five. I love that, one that, as is, well. that is one of the illustrations. It's not in the text. Um, and I couldn't have explained that well in the text. I wrote that as, you know, an illustration. And I said, like, but it becomes, it's, it's, the, the kids aren't skipping over the drawings. Like, I know sometimes yeah, yeah. adults might, like, read something and fly through or, you know, not look. But the kids are, are pouring over the drawings. So I think if you're doing this kind of book or you're thinking about it, you really have to think that someone, someone is paying attention. Um, and they're, they're remembering Definitely. those characters and, and the way they look. Um, and that's why, you know, I think, I think I wanted to give Marta something fun to draw, but I also wanted to take myself out of it, like with, with the text, I don't want to write all of, you know, the draw, I want, I want the drawing to do that work for me. Um, and I know that <laughs> if I give you something fun to play with, you're going to come through with something that's like its own piece of the narrative instead of a supporting thing to the narrative, you know, it's it's kind of its own part, and this is supposed to be like a diary, so I want it to be really, you know, weird in places. And she has like one thing on there where she wishes like a machine would just pull out all the hard things you have to say, um, you know. So you're, you're you get to play, and I think if you sort of then trust the person on the other end, um, you know, gets it. Um, and it hopefully will tell you if they don't, like, you know, but Marta does. <laughs> and we have a similar sensibility, so maybe this is all just good luck, but, but we've been lucky, I feel, to do that. Um, but can I, can I say something, actually? Sure. Because I, um, there's a funny thing, because, you know, I think you saying all these wonderful things, but, you know, how much you thought about the, you know, the text and what would go in and how it would really sort of blend with the text and how it would actually enhance it. To me, that's the massive difference that quite often doesn't happen. Because quite often things, uh, you know, the author would just complete the story, complete the text, and then the design team will look after the kind of filling the gaps with the illustrations. And I must admit, sometimes you get a wonderful team that really gets, you know, behind and kind of tries their best and treats it as if it's just a one and only project, although in reality it never is. You, not always and then this project really kind of shows the difference that you know the love and attention is really there because I must admit that's probably the best brief I've ever had because it's so well considered and I think if you guys are considering doing you know your own stories or getting onto the sort of illustrated world or whatever it really matters to kind of give your whole your whole even if it's just maybe a passing project or you think it's not your best work yet or something because it's just it shows when someone really puts the attention to to make sure as a whole it works, it makes all the difference. Because I always sense when someone is just just filling it in, just to kind of okay, I need 50 illustrations, so we need to kind of spread it more more or less evenly, and it'll do. And then obviously I'm trying to do the best I can, but in this case it was such a breezy walk in the park because the attention and humor and the magic I believe was already there. So I know as a child, as a teenager, I would always look at all these illustrations and actually match them with the text and see if they really paid attention and I'd always point and be disappointed if it doesn't. So, uh, yeah, I, I just feel really grateful that, you know, Eva is saying, Eva Marie is saying all these wonderful things that uh, how much attention she paid to uh, with both sides. So, you know, it made my work really, really easy. So that's all I wanted to say here. <laughs> Little, you didn't have to I say all that, but I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. No, seriously, um, it's, 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 a, it's a really noticeable difference. So I, I highly command anyone who, who actually does that because it, it makes a difference. I think it makes, as a whole, a better project, a better product. Um, 
a more enjoyable thing for, for a young reader, for sure. I think we want to make sure that we have time for questions about you know both sides of the business. It's, so, but there's a few things that that we were going to go over that are more like the day to day, um, you know, just yeah. our you know creative process and how. I mean, you see, I, I wish I had a picture of my desk, which is a mess. But you see how pretty Marta's like like setup is behind Ooh. her, and my mine it's, is not I mean, like it's that. like a pretty bit here. No, that's that's oh, very that's um, creative and artistic and calming. Mine is not, but but um, I don't well, have a. picture This is actually of it. a living room. And then so, there's further, there's kitchen, so, you so work, this is a tiny London flat, so it's yeah. tiny. <laughs> but, but I'm curious, and, and we can each talk about our habits, but like how, how do you approach your work each day? Like do you, do you try to do something every day? Um, do you do warm-up sketches? Um, you know, how do you go about it? And I know in there, like you'll see, I think there's a few instances where I showed both her rough sketch and then a final drawing. Um, but but how do you what's your what are your habits like what is your work right uh, I'd say uh, I wish I was doing warm-up uh, sketches but I don't my fiance does who's also an illustrator and animator and director and all sorts of arty things but he's very good and he does warm-up I don't which is probably a bad thing so usually the first or two drawings are a bit rubbish so anyway uh, but what I do I usually take it slow in the morning because I have this wonderful opportunity to not stick to a sort of schedule that someone gives me, I can give my own schedule. So I know through uh, a few years of experience that I am a little bit useless in the morning. So uh, I do things that don't require creativity in the morning. So uh, as a self-employed person, I need to do all the kind of invoicing and boring things and some sort of signing contracts and stuff, which you'd think having an agent, I wouldn't have to do, but I still do. Um, and then I save all my energy and all my juices and all the goodness for later in the day, so kind of past, actually probably this would be one of my best time now to work in London, which is like 25 past five, I'll be just about emerging onto my kind of best work. Um, and then I work really well to like about midnight. I can go past midnight, way past midnight, but trying to be healthy and kind of not going into <laughs> some sort of crazy other, you know, a different antisocial time scales. So I'm actually trying to stick to maybe midnight max. So if the schedule is really busy, and often is, I kind of work that way. Um, but uh, oh, actually another thing is I struggle always to start a project. So if any of you ever struggle with a project, whether it's professional or whether it's just schoolwork, uh, just start it. And that's as someone who struggles every single time with every single new project. I just always like, fear the kind of the white page and kind of diving in. But once I've managed to kind of stay afloat for a first day, it just gets easier and then I actually can't stop. So uh, that's something I always struggle with. Uh, my, yeah, the challenge is starting, but then yeah. I've done it enough times to know I just need to start, even if it's rubbish or whatever. It doesn't matter. I've started, so uh, that's that's that that. thing. Yeah, and I'm sure that applies to everything. I'm sure it's the same with writing. It's the same with your starting. I, I'm kind of the exact anything. opposite in terms of habit. So I, I like to get up really early. Um, I'm better in the morning, like before everything sort of converges on me. And I mean, I I have to kind of write all hour you know it's, and if I'm on deadline I don't have a choice but but I try to get up before I have two sons <laughs> um, I try to get up before them it doesn't always work out and um, I write I write a little bit before they they wake up um, if I can or at least like get my head around what I'm going to do because I know that as long as I get something on the page um, even one or two sentences for that day then I feel yeah. a little better. Um, my other my other work, I, I mean, I write novels, but then my other work is like more like, you know, freelance stuff like for corporate clients, you know, like corporate newsletters and, and sort of like, you know, things that if I have them going on, I have to do them. So, you know, I know I want to write some fiction every day if I can. Um, and and if I have deadlines for those other things, then then I know I have to finish those because they're going to pay me sooner and I better finish it and they kind of take priority. Um, so I always want to write a little bit in the morning and then, you know, we get the kids out the door. My husband and I, my husband's <laughs> hugely helpful in the morning with, with like trying to keep them wrangled. And then I, I do a little writing. I get the kids to school and then I usually come back and I try to, um, to, to write a little bit um, again before I, you know, dive into whatever I have to finish for, for clients. But, but for me, it's a lot of fits and starts. I don't always have... I think people have the illusion that you have to have, you know, eight hours 
to sit down and have a clear schedule to write. And it doesn't really work like that, um, you know, yeah. with, with children's activities and, um, you know, taking them to and from, you know, practices or friends' houses or um, school, um, you know, and, and I have a, a three-year-old. I year think old even if someone technically works in an office or something What's or like that? in a creative space, they still, I think, they do have these moments when they're not like super productive and working all the time. So I think nobody can possibly work. No, you from, can't. Like, I mean, no matter exactly, what you're doing, nobody. I think you, you always are, you always have to remember. I think, and I think that's the thing, yeah. like those days when I can't get to writing, it's still like in the back of my head. Um, but you have to do, you have a life. And I mean, I know there are people, there are a couple, and, and I, I feel like it's mostly guys I know who are like, <laughs> they, they, that will say, like, I need eight hours blocked out to write. Um, and I don't, the I don't idea, I guess. have that yeah. luxury, and I don't really want it. I think when I'm multitasking and I'm busy, I actually do better work because I'm not, it's not that blank day of when should I get started or whatever. Um, yeah. And I, I know I have to finish something. And then as far as, um, you know, evening, I am pretty useless after about four o'clock. Like I, I mean, I can do other things. I can play with my kids or make dinner, but I can't, I'm not as good at, you know, if I have a project that's due and I have to work at night, I will, but I really don't love it because I'm, I'm usually pretty tired um, and I don't really have, you know, it might be okay or it might seem okay when I'm putting it on the page, but then I read it later and it's no good. Oh my, um, God. Oh my God, it's exactly, exactly yeah. the same way the opposite around for me literally yeah. if i have to have to then i work in the morning but yeah can i actually say one more thing because i sure. just remember i don't know if that's interesting for any of you guys but maybe yeah. i just remember that speaking of habit i have for every project i do have a little folder and that's actually gabby garcia free oh what by the way i have you hold that up for a one more schedule second? for each each image and then I just have you know uh, which number it is because I need to keep an eye how many actually there is because I've got contract that says you do 100 or you do 50 or you do 30 mm -hmm. and then I do page then I say what needs to happen and because Gabby Garcia is so quite text heavy when it comes to illustrations and for someone like me who's dyslexic it's a bit of a nightmare and that's one thing that is a nightmare and it's like a happy nightmare meaning oh my god I really hope I'm not gonna misspell absolutely everything and I still do but there's always people who triple check it for me and then I have the sketch date which obviously all the sketches are already done and they just being assessed there's like loads and loads and loads of that so and then the last column is, yeah and the last column is for the final you can see is on the 1st of November that I need to deliver and then yeah that's just <laughs> that's oh is just this for every... the new one is this for the new one that's the new that one. is for Gabi Garcia free yeah and I just do that for absolutely every project I do because I find that I can Although I, I do all my work digitally, I need something that I can actually just keep flicking and ticking. And that just seems to be working for me really well. So uh, uh, although it may seem like this is all like, oh, yeah, I work when I can and whatever, it's I actually stay organized and I actually give myself kind of form of a deadline in terms of how many I will do a day. So if I do them quickly, happy day. If I don't, then not so happy. But... That's no, just, and I, I, I think that's the commonality is I do like to have a list and I actually like to work off an outline when I write. I, I mean, it's not always, I, some things change, but I like to like know where the story's going. Um, I may jump ahead or be like, you know, this chapter's stalling out, so I'm going to try to write something else. Um, but I do think having like a, a checklist or some kind of, you know, I have a marker board too, like, so I know a little bit like I have to work on this part or whatever, um, because I do like some semblance of organization. Well. It's not just all, um, like, I, and I agree with Marta that you can't, I actually like beginning things, but I get stuck in the middle of, of ah. things. But but um, I think that you can't tell yourself you need perfect conditions for, for your work. If, you're, if you want to do it for a living, like you mm -hmm. have to kind of do it when you, you, can, you can or start when you can and um, make yourself do it. And then even if that, that first draft or whatever you do is bad, you have something on the page that you can play with. Um, if you don't ever start, you won't have anything to play absolutely. with. So, you know. To, to be fair, can I just add to what you just said? Because this is absolutely 100% sure. true. Just put down something. Because quite likely, when you just kind of go into a mindset, when you think, I'm just going to note it quickly here, and quite likely this is going to be okay because you don't put the pressure of, this is going to be the masterpiece, this is going to be the best yeah, sentence I've yeah. ever written or something. Because there isn't, you know, it, it's not that kind of fear. So when you think, oh, I only have about like maybe half an hour, I'm just going to jot down some ideas. So I'm just going to quickly, quickly, it's going to be like really rubbish, but just quick, 
a line sketch. Yeah. Quite often, they quite like almost like ninety percent of the time they go. Obviously, they need like reworking, restructuring, making it more readable for someone other than yourself. But generally, they they work. And I find myself usually the the almost the most odd. Uh, sometimes I work on a plane, I work on a train, I work at my parents' house in Warsaw, all sorts of crazy conditions which aren't my usual kind of zone. Yeah. I've turned to yeah. quite good work there, which may be the kind of unusual, kind of make the most of what you have situation, allows your brain to focus, which is I think what Eva Marie is saying, you know, she knows she has these windows when kids aren't disturbing, something else isn't in the way, and she just has to use it. And I think giving yourself windows mm-hmm. of productivity is... Um, it's a good thing. Not always possible, but a good thing to aim And I also for. think that changing up your scenario, like if you're sitting in the same place and it's not working, like maybe you need to move or, or whatever, or, or take, Definitely. like, I mean, maybe being on the train or going on your way to your mom's house, like that will, yeah, yeah, it yeah, kind yeah. of makes you, put you in a different mindset or gives you new things to grab inspiration from, um, yeah, or just forces yeah. you to say, okay, I have this bit of time and like, do I want to, you know, play on my phone or do I want to do something? Um, so I think, you know, we might have some questions, and I'm, I'm sure there's some other things we can talk about too, but, but, it, but let's take a few questions first, I think, because okay. um, we sort of talked about most, most things, but if, you, if there are any about, like, writing or creative work, and if not, we'll just keep talking. <laughs> yeah, no of course, yeah, by all means, yeah, yeah, if there are any questions, by all, by all means, keep firing. I mean, one I thing that I, you I just brought up. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, and and I one thing that you just brought up though that that when you were talking about just getting something done, it won't be that bad. One of the things I've been telling um, the elementary school kids I've been speaking with is um, like you know, in, if if a big blank page makes you nervous, like I, I hand out index cards, and I tell them you know start with an index card because it's small and like try to write down an idea a day. Um, you know, or a line a day or whatever you're, you're thinking of. And, and then if you tell yourself later, oh, I have no good ideas or I have nothing to write or I have no good lines, you'll, if you do that every day, like you will have this stack of cards that, that have ideas on them. Um, and, and then Absolutely. you can't tell that, yourself that's a that genius you don't idea, have any. Actually. That is wonderful. I think I 100% yeah. agree with you, Eva Marie, because there's something that actually my James, my fiance, he does a very similar thing. Um, we both are a little bit scared of, I mean, I personally am, of using new sketchbooks. I used to always try and keep like a traditional sketchbook and draw in it. But when they're a bit too pretty, I always feel a bit scared of having a bad page in it, which mm-hmm. is maybe a bit silly and maybe yeah. OCD, but it's the case with me. So I started, I kind of don't do it anymore, but James definitely still does. Just work on little scraps of paper, kind of like that index page or whatever yeah. you do. Um, and just he has a little box full of the silliest sketches on earth. They're like little doodles, little ideas, little silly things. And whenever he kind of comes to a position where he needs to maybe do his own story or something, and he needs to fill it with some, maybe not necessarily the main characters, but maybe something that is going to enhance it, he then always goes back to that box mm-hmm. and just fishes some good ideas out of it. Or sometimes something actually quite major and and prominent can come from something very insignificant. So having a little box or notepad or some sort of maybe a container for loose ideas is a genius thing. I think, Maria, you're a genius for mentioning (laughs) it. (laughs) And I almost agree with the idea of not using like your favorite best notebook or the sketchbook that you paid $20 for and you think that everything you write in it needs to be amazing because you know you're going to screw that notebook up immediately and mm-hmm. then you're going to say see i'm no good and like I, I bought this precious notebook and i ruined it with my terrible ideas and um i think if you just buy like the cheap you know when target has a sale on like 25 cent notebooks spiral notebooks at the beginning of the school year i buy a whole bunch of those because absolutely that's a great place to work um you know you're not so precious about it and i 100%. think i think that you know it's just it's practice more than anything it's not it's not about um, you know, having the perfect flawless idea. It's about, you know, just making yourself do things. Definitely. Um, it should be very utilitarian, very useful, very kind of, you know, should do the job rather than just be too pretty to stain it. Yes. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, and some people I know do, they live, live and die by like buying like the $20 notebook and they write all their manuscripts in them and they'll have piles of these beautiful notebooks filled with manuscripts. I can't, I can't do that because usually I'll start writing in a notebook and, and transfer to the computer anyway because I like to type, but... Um, Do we have questions? I feel like you guys are very quiet, so what kind of classes do we have in here? Oh, we do have maybe a question in the back? Oh, question. Hello. Hi. Um, (laughs) Hi. Is this your, uh, are these your only novels you've written so far? 
Um, no, this is my first middle grade um, series, but I have written um, a number of young adult books which don't have any, you know, illustrations. But I did, I ghost wrote three um, young adult novels and then um, two, two more under my own name before. Gabby actually came about, um, Harper almost bought, they were, they were, they wanted to buy a young adult comedy I'd written. Um, and it was right around the time that Twilight and everything was really popular and they said, our, what happens in, in publishing is the editor will like your book or whatever, and um, then they have to bring it to sales and acquisitions on these, at, at least at the big houses. And sales and acquisitions was like, oh no, everything that's selling right now is dark and paranormal or whatnot, so no one's buying comedy. And it was also a comedy set in the 90s. They're like, it's, it's historical. Um, and it's a comedy, so we can't buy it. So, but I had a great relationship with that editor. And what happened was then about two years later, she came and she said, have you ever thought about writing middle grade? And can we develop like a series together? Um, or would you want to try, I had to try out, but like, would you want to help develop like a series and, 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 and come up with some ideas? And um, we sort of like had tryouts for Gabby. Like I, you know, she gave me like a one line idea for this series and what would I do with it? And um, and then we kind of I came up with like the you know her playbook and all the characters around her um, you know and I developed like a twenty page document for her and then that that came about you know through that relationship that prior relationship but no so I did write YA before this and then I, I still write YA but this is my first middle grade. So I have another question real quick. Sure. Um, so so what is your main reasons why you wanted to write novels? I mean. You know, and, and this is funny because this is what I get into with, um, you know, like the, I didn't know, as a kid, I didn't think this was something I could do. Like I, I love to read, um, I read all the time, but I didn't really, I kind of thought authors had to be like these people from, I didn't know where, like I thought Judy Bloom must be like some kind of angel that, you know, lived, like I, I really didn't think that people, normal people did this. Like I'm from Oakland, so I, I and not saying there's anything wrong with Oakland. I just thought, you know, I come from Oakland. Like, who, how, how could someone from Oakland ever have a book published? I don't know why I thought that, but it just, it didn't even occur to me as a career choice. Um, and then I studied journalism in college. Um, I took some fiction writing classes, but I still really, I thought, well, I'll be a journalist because I can't write novels. And it wasn't until I was, I was reporting on a story for the South Town on um, a screenwriting class, and I took the class after I talked to the teacher and I wrote a script and I was like, well, I like this, but I like books better. And then I started writing um, novels through National Novel Writing Month, which is like in November, you try to write a novel in a month. And then I, I sort of like started reading more about the business. I mean, I kind of knew at that point how the business worked and like that it was regular people. But I think I just talked myself out of it for a really long time. And then, um, you know, finally, once I started getting going, I was like, why did I tell myself for so long? You know, I think I just was like, you know, I just really didn't think it was, you know, open to, to anyone. I thought it was not realistic. So it took a while to get there, and I was in my, you know, late 20s by the time I really started to try to do this. <laughs> so, mm. but then, but now novels, yeah, I really like, I mean, I'm really, I, I think I always knew because I did read so much, and I love, I mean, I read, you know, a couple books a week at least. Um, and when I was a kid, I read even more. So I think, you know, I always knew that I wanted to do this, but I just told myself I couldn't until now, or until, you know, not that long ago. Is there any other? Questions? Sorry, there's a massive bumblebee trying to just go into my window, so sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> a bumblebee. <laughs> you know, Iva, could you talk, you, you had mentioned to me that you had studied journalism and also mm -hmm. an English major undergrad. Maybe talk a little bit about, um, I, I'm sure we have students sitting here like, oh, could I take classes that will help me? Kind of yeah. your background, and maybe Marta too. Like, where did the what formal training have you had? She's had while, a you're, lot. while you're in, <laughs> you know, sitting in these seats in college, about to pick classes for next semester. I, I mean, for me, journalism. I mean, journalism felt like a realistic way to write full time, like write and get paid for it. And, and I mean, now that papers are dying, it seems less realistic. But it did seem when I was studying it like, okay, I can you know, write and get paid. And I mean, there's still a lot of outlets and there's still a lot of freelancing and stuff. Um, but, but so yeah, studying journalism, I think a few things it taught me and a few things the job taught me, you know, researching um, and, and interviewing and, um, you know, just writing on a deadline. I think, you know, making yourself write. 
that, that habit. I don't know if I would have had that habit if not for journalism and working at the papers. Also the idea of like being done with something and being able to pass it off to an editor. Um, you know, I think, I, I think there's, there's like, you can't be a complete perfectionist where you are, you know, you're never going to show anyone your work or never be done. Um, I, I, I'm okay working with an editor. My first editor, I worked for the reporter in Payless Heights. And I remember, you know, I, I graduated from college and it was my first job. And I, I mean, he sat down with my first story and he like just marked it up with so much red. And I was fine. You know, I, I didn't get upset about it because it was kind of part of the job and he was making me better. Um, a better writer, and I, you know, and and I just kept. I think I think now letting things go. Um, you know, I know when there's battles, I have to fight, and like I did it with editors too as, as a journalist. But um, I know when there's things like, okay, I want this in the book, and I'm not going to let you take that out. But but I also know that there's a lot of good that comes from, you know, hearing out someone who's reading it from a different perspective and saying like, well, we need more of this or more of that. So I, I think journalism like really did that. Um, you know, I was a journalism major with a, a, an English minor. Um, I started out a French minor, and then I didn't like reading books in French because it took me forever, so I, I quit that. Um, but I, I mean, I even took, I took some fiction writing courses here, too, and that probably helped me, you know, just get in the habit of, like, writing and telling myself to write. And the stories I wrote were awful. But, <laughs> but I think, like, just making yourself do it. I think the great thing about journalism is you have to be productive. You have to be filling that paper. Um, there's no one that's going to wait for you. Like a book doesn't have to come out. A book, you know, you can write a book or finish a book or never publish a book and the shelf will never know if it didn't happen. But if you're working for a paper and someone's expecting you to fill 20 column inches, which is such an archaic way of talking, I don't know if anyone even knows what that is, but like, you know, to fill the front page, um, you know, you can't just say, well, I'm not done or I'm not ready or whatever. Um, they can pull the story, but but you can only do that for so long before your bosses will be like, forget it. And at the reporter, it was great. It was great and also hard because I was the only reporter for a, like six months, and you know there were about twenty. I had to like I had to write between like ten and fifteen stories a week because I was basically filling the whole paper. <laughs> um, so you know it just makes you write. It makes you get used to just figuring out how to like collate and assemble information um, and that was you know that's I think journalism is a great thing for anyone who wants to write to do because it does make you you know do it I, I don't know the job situation you know there's a lot of online outlets I guess but um, and then Marta I know you you study we went we, we went through your your background before but um, she studied I'm happy to at, share. <laughs> So, um, what was the question? Is sort of your background, like, what, what, it was like how your your training, like, you know, what what she took, what her schooling was in, and, and how she uses that on a day-to-day -day basis, like what, you know, how you've translated that to your career. Well, I, uh, I definitely recommend a form of schooling, whether it's going to university or taking a course or joining some classes, whatever that is, because... You know, one thing is um, sort of willingness and potentially some talent, but I think, as Eva Marie was saying, you know, kind of actually doing things and doing these things regularly, it really, really makes you, you know, and kind of helps you find your voice and your style or however you call it, but find you find your, helps you find your unique take on whatever you do ultimately. So I think practice makes perfect, so that's for sure. Uh, but university days were great. I um, Basically when I went to, I mean, I always knew I liked to draw. So that was no brainer that I knew I wanted to, um, when I'm big, I want to do something when I, something to do with, with art. So when I was kind of going through all the kind of schooling years, I was always aiming at that. So I was quite fortunate to know quite early on that this is my interest and I'm quite good at it, so I'm gonna try and pursue it in one way or another. Um, but um, I had a fantastic high school experience. I don't know what you guys call it in America, but kind of the, the years right before you potentially go to uni. Uh, and I was in the art profile sort of uh, class, so we were all kind of like-minded people and kind of shared similar passions and it was a nice environment to kind of keep exploring and you know, finding out what you like and who you are and stuff like that. And uh, then I was going to go to do um, 
um, graphics, basically like traditional graphics at the Academy of Arts in Warsaw. And all my life up until this point, I was like, come on, I've always been good at drawing. I've been doing well at school. This is going to be great. I'm so going to get in. Well, I didn't. And that was a bit of a crashing point for me because, you know, this, after that point, you know, education was very kind to me. And I was kind to it. And we were kind of having a nice mutual thing. And this time around, you know, education was like, well, now, you know, getting into this Academy of Arts and you always thought you would and you didn't. So, uh, yeah, I didn't. And it was a big kind of rethink moment for me because, you know, um, I needed to kind of figure out, okay, so that was kind of up to this point. It was a straight kind of easy walk in a park. And then what do I do next? And then I... I just took a part-time course in a different city because uh, I'm from also, but it was in a sort of another city like two hours away on a train. And that was like a weekend course and I was working in a weekday. But I was thinking, okay, I still need to keep the arty vibe. So I sort of uh, managed to get a job at a magazine where I was uh, a stylist assistant. So um, it was like a fashion magazine. And I was thinking, this isn't particularly arty, but it's within fashion, I guess, genre, so it's fine. And I was doing it for a year, but not being happy in any field particularly, because, you know, I was still feeling quite bruised by not getting in, and the, the job was very demanding, because, you know, it's a fashion industry, and it's publishing, and all that, so everybody's kind of expecting you to uh, do best. Maybe it wasn't necessarily a situa situation like, you know, devil wears Prada necessarily, but it was still <laughs> in a hectic environment. Um, and because I was an assistant, I had to do all the kind of sweaty jobs, you know, all the carrying, all the ironing, all the everything, and, you know, not necessarily getting all the glory. Uh, but uh, I was fortunate enough that towards the end of that year, I, I met a few new friends, and I just basically made a few connections and made a decision to spend a summer with a sister of my friends <laughs> uh, in London. It's just, I was supposed to just, you know, kind of sublet her flat, basically, and we were just have a happy summer and I would just work and find myself and figure out what I want to do because that whole year was strange and um and before I knew it the summer ended and I just actually took up on you know another course in here and just took a gap year in Warsaw and, and in Poland and um the whole kind of London story started but um what I'm trying to get at is that you know education was important because even though there were some good bits and bad bits you know they kind of helped me rethink my game plan in a way a little bit like Gabi Garcia. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it did kind of, I did have to sort of re-navigate a few times. But above all, you know, I still think being on a job right now, whenever I do a job, whenever I'm with a client, whenever I need to deliver and deliver on time, and if there is a little slip-up, it has to be a little one anyway, it, it taught me a whole other new set of skills. Because, you know, before it was all about finding who I am, what's my voice as an artist, you know, what I want to do. But once I really more or less figured that out, I kind of now focus on just not letting clients down. And and, and I've learned to be a lot faster, uh, a lot more reliable. And actually, I think I am reliable, I hope. Um, and things like that. So, you know, uh, that no uni will ever teach me that. Because although we had assessments like any other university or any other school or academy, I... I knew this is all kind of like dry run, this isn't real. But then the moment I started getting real clients, I got really, really obsessed with just trying these as professional as I possibly could. It used to be quite stressful, but now I kind of let go a little bit. But um, I don't know if that answers the question, but yeah, the uni and schooling and courses and everything was really helpful, but it's never enough because life and kind of the situations you put yourself in, they, they make the full picture. So uh, Life is the whole uh, education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't necessarily say you have to go and study, by the way. I mean, I think it's great, and I think it's a wonderful experience, and I met my fiancé, you know, at uni and all that, so, you know, it has so much more to offer, and it's great, but I don't think if someone isn't doing that or choosing a different path... But the work experience, uh, I think, kind of got Exactly, you. exactly. And I think determination and hard work, because I know actually people, for example, from uni who were ungodly in terms of their talent they were so talented and wonderful and passionate but then they knew they were good and i think they knew it too quickly and then people who are just a bit okay uh, but very very determined and very hard working they do actually really well right now and i'm quite astonished at how well they developed themselves and their work ethic was so good that uh, they actually do better than some of those super talented ones because yeah. they needed to work that extra harder so they really had that work ethic earlier on uh, but obviously nothing is black and white nothing is just perfection or hopelessness i think the striking a balance is always the most important thing but 
Yeah, yeah. schooling is no. great, but practice is great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, question. Uh, one of the biggest fears I found a lot of creative people have, or people who are wanting to get into the creative industry, is facing rejection. Like you have a, a great idea, or you think it's a great idea, and you show it, and your editor or the client or whoever just outright thrashes it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I say, I, you know, I assume you've experienced something like that, and if you have, you know, how have you dealt with it? I mean, sure. I mean, I think. Well, I mean, I just got into that story with you know, like like editor who just really yeah. loved it, and then basically said, but our sales team doesn't think they can sell it. I had another book, um, you know, that, that I think my agent took out to 12 different publishers. It was a, it was another, it was a historical teen book. And um, the only editor who was interested in, in it basically out of 12, like wanted to just completely change it, you know, and, and we sort of went with her for a while and then she ended up Honestly, she had a, a breakdown and she left the publishing house. But um, but it was like, okay, so the only person who liked this book, you know, ended up leaving. And I don't even think she liked it that much, um, you know. And and it was sort of like I think with that book, in in a sense, I was um, that was a book I think I tried to write for the marketplace more than myself. Like I liked the idea and I thought it was a really good idea, but I don't know if it was a great idea for me. Um, and maybe that came through, um, and that's why it was, you know, ultimately didn't really go anywhere. And it might actually be good it didn't go anywhere because I, I like, sometimes I think about that, that particular piece, and I'm like, oh, you know, it was like I was calling it, like, a Mad Men for Teens, and it was set in the, the 60s, and it was all these, like, girls in this hotel. But it was, I don't think it was really in my style. I just, like, thought, oh, it sounds really cool, and I love Mad Men, and, like, I love that time period, but it wasn't for me to write. Um, and, and, but as far as rejection goes, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I think, I think, like I said, because I came to this late, um, and I wasn't, you know, I really just didn't think this was something I would even do. Um, you know, if you asked me when I was a kid what I wanted to be when I grew up, I had like a list, you know, a super long list, and it was never author, you know, there were all these like more realistic things. Um, and then like some really unrealistic things like ballerina and I'm terrible, like I can't dance at all. But, but you know, like, but for the most part it was, it was like, I was fairly practical. Um, and I think coming to it from that angle, I knew that it was part of the business. Like I didn't ever necessarily go out thinking, okay, you know, everybody's gonna love this or whatever. Um, I, I think I always go in, and maybe it's a pessimism in me, but I always go in like waiting to be disappointed. Um, at one of my YA books, uh, The End of the World as We Know It, which a lot of people really like, that didn't sell to any American publishers. It sold in the UK, and there's, there's, so we published it. I worked with a packaging company on that, and they published that as an ebook, and it didn't sell a lot here. And then in the UK, it sold um, to a publisher there. And I get like really nice letters and notes about that book, but you know, it, it was the wrong time. Like that book I really loved, and that's like, you know, I loved writing that book. But, um, but you know, I think, I think I'm grateful to be a working writer. Um, so I, I fold in the idea that like not every project's going to work out. And I've worked in offices and things like that. I worked, you know, as a web editor for Disney, and I saw things, I saw projects go so far and then, you know, end up being folded at the last minute. I saw tons of people put a lot of effort into things that, you know, ended up not happening. So for me, rejection is is kind of like I don't always take it personally. Like sometimes I know I could have done better, but I also am aware that, you know, this happens to people every day. Um, every editor is different. Every publishing house is different. There's also just the whole business side of it that, you know, what can you do? It, you know, it, there, there's sometimes like the the book that I almost sold before Gabby, which I'm going back to work on now because now is actually a better time for it. I think um, it, it's more humorous, and and they're starting to do more. Like, and I I think I'm ready to write that one. Um, you know, like the editor loved it, but it couldn't sell at that time because of whatever was happening in publishing at the time. And I think it's just, I just sort of, I think it's just taking a zen. <laughs> it sounds very like hippy-dippy to say a Zen attitude, but I think it's just telling yourself, like, I have to work, so I, I have to take the rejection and roll with it a little bit. And um, 
you know, go to the next thing. Um, and maybe it means I need to start something else. Or maybe I was writing something that wasn't really where I should be writing. Um, or maybe it's just not the right idea for right now. And, you know, but I think, I think coming to it later for me made it easier to deal with that, that kind of, you know, I don't, I tend not to get into like a crushing depression if someone doesn't like something. Um, Cause it's also, I, I've always taken things as like, well, it's not life or death. If they don't like it, you know, no one's gonna push me off a cliff. So <laughs> I can go back to work tomorrow. And um, that's, you know, that's just worked for me. And I know it's different for everyone. And I know rejection can really like be awful. And, and maybe, maybe someday I'll have that crushing depression after one, but I'm not looking forward to that. I, I, wanna, I hope I can keep just, just rolling. So, um, but do you have stories like that? So stories about how you cope with rejections, yes. yeah? Uh, well, I'd say, well, the little mention I already had with you guys, you know, the, the, the whole uni thing, the first story was a big rejection, and it was, uh, in the end, a blessing in disguise, because, you know, that made me rethink things, so uh, that was good. Uh, I also, before I sort of started working with the style I do right now, I used to work in a very different look, kind of um, more photographic based, more kind of sculptural, uh, very photoshoppy, very kind of completely different to what you guys can see now. Um, and that used to be kind of my approach. This is going to be unusual and probably hard to sell, but I'm just going to sell it. I'm just going to keep going. So I was already braced with very thick skin and prepared for rejection. But to be fair, I reached the level when rejection was just non-stop and I just kept going being lovely and sweet and selling it and trying to show it from different angles and how it could be applied you know that could be with you know people with uh, publishing and advertising all, all over the place and then there was some sort of small success to that style but rejection was a common thing and I kind of well my fiance was just saying oh you know maybe maybe you can just sort of change it a bit you know maybe this is a sign that as eva marie was saying maybe something just isn't the right time or maybe isn't just quite right or maybe you know your heart isn't in it something isn't there that isn't happening that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you per se or, or, or with the product you do but something isn't clicking and this is usually maybe a chance to sort of give it a little rethink and to be fair to me that was that kind of moment when eventually it got to a point where i kind of either you need to find a proper normal job or just rethink my art and then I just chose the rethinking art and I just kind of with my agent just sat down and thought okay what if I just just draw but I'm like oh but I don't want to draw I just want to do these crazy sculptural things but I like, no, but just draw as you would draw anyway and I used to be really scared that even though I was good at drawing I used to always think I'm not good enough to be a proper illustrator who draws because I always thought oh there's all these wonderful other master masters out there who can just draw like that which is obviously nonsense because nobody just draw like that maybe some people do but generally it's through hard work and practice and editing and everything so um like in my little head I always thought there are all these geniuses out there and there's me who can draw but it's not a professional level at all which was well, you may like my work or you may not, but nonetheless, I think I'm professional enough. And then, uh, but that came through just um, just work. And I think uh, I was very fortunate that my agent was just kind of really flexible and kind of made me maybe work a little bit differently and just, ang just angle everything from a different perspective. And it was wonderful because the moment I did that, all of a sudden there was so much interest. And it wasn't necessarily that I just changed who I was, because it's not like I drew in a very cutesy anime style and then I started going really goffy things. No, 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 it was all within a similar universe, but it was just a different medium. And sometimes doing a small change, such as yeah, changing medium or something or angle is all you need to do. And it doesn't mean the rejection means you're bad or you're wrong or not worth it or you shouldn't be doing it at all. That doesn't mean that at all. It just, it's, if it's consistent, it may mean maybe just rethink things and just approach it slightly differently on a fresh angle and usually usually that does the trick uh but it's easier said than done and i'm fully aware of it when you feel down and bruised and you think oh god i've been trying i've been giving my whole and you usually do and it's still not working but it's wonderful when you can find a moment to uh, regroup in your own head and if you have a bit of a support group like whether it's your family or whether it's a good friend or whether it's someone at school or anyone you know if someone who can be honest with you and kind of help you through the process that's wonderful not always a given though so 
I'd always say try and rely on yourself anyway, but if there is someone yeah. who can be a good friend, at the time it helps, it speeds up the process, but it is an essential. So I'd say, yeah, um, sometimes it's a signal of rethinking, time yeah. for rethinking. And I should say, um, I mean, when I say like, I, I'm not just letting rejection roll off me, I, but you know, you get, I just don't want to let it make me stop altogether. I think that you always are going to be like, oh, this is, this is a crappy setback, and now what do I have to do, or how do I have to rethink what I'm going to do, or why did that not work? But I don't think, I think it's just, yeah, it's the idea that you talk to people and you, you try to go from there. Um, and I think, mm. I think Marta and I talked on our first conversation about imposter syndrome and like that we tell ourselves all the time, like, oh, well, all of these people are like so much better than me. Or, you know, you go on yeah. Twitter or Instagram or whatever and you see like writers yeah. or artists who are doing this or that. And you're, you're like, well, they're like, you know, they're like, doing this and just struggling yeah. with you know they're probably writing like 20 chapters a day and I'm struggling to get through this like you know first page or um, you know or their editors probably didn't send them an edit letter that has like you know 20 different changes I mean but the truth is like then when you get to know people like I mean I would have never expected Marta has you know but she kind of said like what did you tell me that um, you like you you were saying along the lines of like oh this isn't enough or I'm not good enough or whatever um, and, and I thought, well, I you are good enough, and why do you think that? that? So then I, I realized I'm probably yeah. doing the same thing, like, you know, and, and I think everyone puts out, you know, what I'm sharing or what I'm putting out is probably, I don't even know it, making someone else go, oh, why is she doing all that? And, like, whatever. But, uh, like, internally, everyone is just roiling with, like, you know, fear of not being good enough or um, not, you know, that, that they should be doing something else or that their potential isn't been made and I think that's when that's when that whole like just doing something kicks in because if you are doing something you have less time to fret about what you're not yeah. doing um, and, and giving into your imposter syndrome is kind of like just a great form of procrastination and and yeah. it's like one of the least healthy ones like if you're going to procrastinate you know do something enjoyable but um, that's what I would say. <laughs> Yeah, oh, and the thing question. is, you're absolutely right with this whole thing of, you know, you comparing yourself to all these other people around you. I mean, it's good to be inspired, and I think it's yeah. good to have an idea of what's going on around you, but I don't think, I mean, especially, you know, all the social media and, you know, Instagram and all that stuff, depending what's your, you know, social media of choice, but, you know, there's always this edited look that yeah. you are faced with. You know, wh whoever, whatever is putting out there, it's usually very cleverly lit and edited and sort of framed, you know, mm -hmm. metaphorically framed, you know, and it's just, they want you to perceive it as a successful, well, it, positive it, it, image. And that's what you do probably yourself. I mean, yeah. I know there are some individuals out there who are trying to be more honest and they kind of also posting about things that are more challenging. And by all means, that's great if someone feels comfortable doing that, but most people will only post the positive. I mean, I do the same thing. If I'm posting on Instagram uh, or something, I'm not very frequent, but I still do it. I, I only talk about the good things. I don't say, oh, you guys know, I just couldn't really get my, my quota done today. I was supposed to do 10 images and I've only done three and a half and they're rubbish. And I, I, I actually have really big headache and I had an argument with my fiance. I'm not going to say these things, but you know, everybody has these things and yeah. they just don't advertise it. So like whenever you compare yourself... Yeah, taking inspiration that. from people rather than using it as comparison, but once it stops being inspiration, like you get into a dangerous place. We had a, we have a question in the back. Hello, hello it's me again. Hi. Um, my how last question for you is, um, how did uh, the protagonist Gabby Garcia come up? Like, um, like what is her story, and like what do you want her to represent? You know. So for me, I mean, when I when I wrote this book, I wanted. You know, I think I think I saw a lot of like anytime a, a girl is like playing a sport in a in a kids book, her challenge or the story was always that like some boy wasn't going to let her, um, and I wanted to take it from a perspective of she's so good, you know, and these other girls that she plays with because they're on co-ed teams are good enough that it's a given that they're there. So what is what is the journey beyond that? Like once we get to a place where you're you're not you know, you don't have to fight for your place on the team. Like, what did she want to do? Um, and I wanted to come at it, like, you know, with, with the things she's dealing with are more, it's less about, and I think Marta and I talked about this, it's almost more like reality because not everything in a kid's life is just like some bully is, I mean, I know those stories happen, but not every day in every kid's life is a bully yeah. is like trying to stop them from living their dream. A lot of the times 
with Gabby, like for example, her worst enemy, even though she's trying to do it from a good for a good reason, is herself. Um, and mm -hmm. I think I think a lot of times kids don't get that in books for younger children. You know, there's always got to be a, a solid like adversary. Um, yeah. And I wanted something to show kids like, you no, know, sometimes you talk yourself out of doing things or you send yourself down a wrong path. Um, with her, she was very confident, but her confidence is sort of paired with a bit of anxiety about getting everything right um, and that perfectionism. And I think I wanted to have a protagonist who was who was just really trying to improve herself. She wasn't so much trying to hold anyone else back or feud with anyone. Because um, I don't I don't feel like I saw that a lot. Um, and I thought, you know, it was a different take on on that same like, oh, the boys don't want her to play baseball with them, and what is she going to do about it? I, mm. I started at that place with the boys versus girls, and it was it was honestly really boring. Um, so you know, because it had been done so many times before. Um, so this was this was a way to have her kind of, um, you know, be be trying to elevate herself as a person in kind of those more realistic situations where you're just trying to figure out what to do and maybe you like take the wrong tack at first. So that was, thanks for the question though, that was good. Okay, I think we're at a good, yeah, um, I think good we, stopping point. So how about um, a nice round of applause. Thank you guys thank you, for thank coming. Thank you, Marta. <laughs> thank you, Iva. I encourage Thanks, everybody, um, we have another event at 1 o'clock. You're welcome to stay. Come back um, about uh, the comic Miss Marvel, and uh, that's our one book this year. Also, visit our comic shops, and uh, thanks again. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Marta. Happy wedding day. Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming, yeah, guys. Thanks.